2: And I'm the sous chef of The Garden Show, Frank Proctor. Nice to have you along this Saturday. And, uh, hey, we have a new uh, head producer in there. Our yeah? techie. Nada.
3: Welcome, Nada. Yes, exactly.
2: He's going to be uh, making sure that all the calls that come in get on the air as they should. And so I guess I better give the phone number before we get to anything else. And hey, we have a complete slate right now that's clean. So if you want to jump to the line... Call early, call
3: often, one question per call. Very good. Er
2: Our little mantra there. 416-360-0740 in Toronto and anywhere else in the province. Toll free, one 866 744-740. seven forty four seven forty 740. hey we've got a special show today,, kind of
3: oh really. gosh, yeah. just so much going on, I know. but first i'd like to send out a big hug to Wasim our I, chief engineer our yeah. chief engineer, who has replaced the light bulbs here in the studio well, He, he heard
2: you whining I'm sure. I can
3: see <laughs> <laughs> clearly now, uh, yes, I guess he must have heard me whining. <laughs> Okay, so I had a little diva moment last week when I couldn't see anything. So I'm really happy. It's all nice and bright in here again. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. Uh, Okay, lots of announcements, lots going on here. So today, starting at 9 o'clock, right now, running through until noon, the Royal Botanical Gardens Auxiliary Annual Spring Bulb Sale is going on at the Arboretum. So the way it works is uh, if you went out to the RBG while the bulbs were all in bloom all throughout the gardens and the, you know, the laking garden and the rock gardens are just ablaze with tulips and daffodils and all that stuff, those are all pulled and are now for sale. So if you thought they were pretty at RBG, imagine how pretty they could be in your garden next year. Mm-hmm. Very good price. Uh, $4 per dozen <clears throat> are these bulbs.
4: Yeah. Wow, so, that is
3: great. Yeah, get in there, grab some bulbs, and plan to plant them, obviously, before the snow flies, and you'll enjoy them in your garden next spring. Uh, what else? The Huronia Rose Society is a meeting on Tuesday, June 19th at 7 p.m. Everyone is welcome and invited to an evening about Austin English roses presented by, guess who? Sherry Lynn Safer, who was on our show last right, week. Yes. She's the past president of the Canadian Rose Society and the current vice president of the World Rose Society. It's like we know royalty. I you know. know. Yes. Yeah, yeah. She's that cool. Uh, the play, the um, <laughs> location for this event, where this royalty will be meeting, is the Whispering Pines residence at 140 Letitia Street <clears throat> Excuse me, in Barrie. Next Saturday, from 11 to 1, uh, I told you about this one, the Niagara Parks Botanical Garden hosting the one-hour seminar, Discovering Herbal Teas. Okay. Uh, So that's a fun thing to do. If you're interested, go to NiagaraParks.com for more information and to register in advance. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, What else? Lots, like I said, I can't think of what to tell you about here. I've got so much to tell you. (laughs) Um, Uh, Back for the second year, the Toronto Botanical Garden's very own organic farmer's market with a full selection of seasonal produce, cheese and meats. Look for the grouping of white tents at the entrance to the gardens. This is every Thursday at TBG, which okay. is Leslie yeah. and Lawrence, from 3 to 7 p.m. right through until October the 4th. And I did receive in the mail today. I want to share with you. We, you know how we talk about garden tours? And I told you briefly last week about the Northumberland in bloom. Yes. Eight enchanting gardens in Coburg's rural environs. Always fundraisers, obviously, and in this case it's a fundraiser for the Big Brothers and Sisters of Northumberland. Tickets are $25 each. You can buy tickets at a whole bunch of different retailers or go to www.heartofnorthumberland.ca. Now, somewhere, pile in this, buried in this it, pile in front see. of me, I so have well organized. paperwork coming into my ears. Uh, Looks thank like you. My desk. <laughs> I was going to say thank you from Lo- to Lois Peters in London. She's the convener of um, a London uh, tour, mm-hmm. and again, this is obviously a fundraiser. It's the IODE of London, which is putting this all together. Uh, again, it independent is, order of the daughters of the empire. Correct. Right? Yes. Yes. Speaking of royalty, and um, the proceeds of, from this tour are to assist needy children and youth in the London area. There are. It's a. The, the way it works is it's a ten dollar passport. The tours are next Sunday, June the twenty fourth, from ten till five, rain or shine, and you pick up your your official passport at one of many retailers in the London area, and then it is a self guided tour. You get out to the different uh, addresses yeah, that are all yeah. listed on the in the, in the passport and see all kinds of special beautiful gardens because you know London, yeah, oh, my gorgeous.
2: hometown, gorgeous. Well, I mean, city of trees. Exactly, I was just going to say. Think the of the forest city.
3: That's what they call it. The big old beautiful trees yeah. in London alone make the gardens. Yeah. St- start the garden it's it's, it's a gorgeous it is. is yeah so it's that's certainly a tour worth uh, getting onto if you can so my suggestion is you get out now if there is no website to get more information but you can phone in for information 519 471 Seventy-two fifty-one, and like I say, there's a lot of retailers selling the passports. Come into my garden is the name of the tour.
2: Very good. Now we're kind of pushing along here, are we not? Uh, because we do have a special guest.
3: We nearby. do. We have Arlene White joining us soon, and uh, yes. well, I'll tell you a little bit more about her. And also, I have to, f- I have to update you on all that homework I was left with I last week. No. So I mean, like you
2: should have <laughs> heard her whinging, <laughs> <God>, calling <laughs> so much homework. Oh my lord! Uh, Playing the violin. In Listening to her. Anyway, <laughs> we're, we have to take a little bit of a break here, okay? And I know we got folks on the line, so keep hanging on there, folks. We'll get to you, but we uh, have to have uh, words from our uh, our spokespe our spokespeople, sponsors. our sponsors. Most important, otherwise, nada. Frank. Charlie, we don't get paid. (laughs) (laughs) Run the spots now to run the spots.
1: (laughs) Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And
2: Frank Proctor here along for the ride, and uh, very glad to be here this morning, Charlie, because we're welcoming, I'm welcoming uh, uh, for you on your behalf. Oh, thank uh, you. An old friend here uh, from the uh, Niagara area, mm-hmm. Arlene White, and I'll let you kind of uh, oh, thank you. say hello.
3: Well, yes, we do have a special guest on the line, and she's en route to an event, a, a, okay. a Peace Gardening garden opening. Uh So she stopped on the highway. She's at the side of the road, and she's called us for a little chit-chat. Her name, like I say, is Arlene White. She's the executive director of the Binational Economic and Tourism Alliance. And she's going to tell us a little bit. uh, The Peace Gardens are not new, but she's going to tell us what's actually new in terms of this big trail they've put together. Morning, Arlene. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Frank. How are you?
2: Very well, thank you, Arlene.
3: Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> hey, thanks for fitting us into your very busy day. I know you've got a ton going on.
5: Yeah, well, it's been a very exciting couple of days in Niagara. As you all know, Nick Wallenda made his walk. <laughs> Wasn't that exciting yes. last night? Mm-hmm. So that kicked everything off, and today we've got all the bicentennial events kicking off with the Governor General plus our Peace Gardens. And I was in Leamington yesterday as well for their Peace Garden launch, so it's busy.
3: I bet it is. Yeah. And and so tell me a bit about these peace gardens. What is it all about? Is it on public space necessarily where it's like in a city square or something where a garden's been put together and then they're calling it a peace garden or what makes it a peace garden?
5: Well, this is really interesting, Charlie, because it actually started developing Back in 2008, Mm -hmm. I've been involved with the 1812 Niagara Legacy Council. I'm on the board, Mm -hmm. and before we had staff, I was kind of the communications chair, and we would go out and talk to different community members and ask what they would like to do and how they would like to participate, Mm -hmm. and the arts councils on both sides of the border, because I am a binational organization, indicated that they wanted to do something a little bit different and create a lasting legacy that wasn't necessarily one-time event-related, and after some brainstorming, they Decided that what they wanted to do was create peace gardens in commemoration mm. of 1812, but they didn't want to tell the war story. What they wanted to do was celebrate 200 years of peace between Canada and the U.S. That's mm. a nice so to the touch, peace isn't gardens it? Gardens made good sense. Yeah.
3: So, how how are these gardens? Are they made up with plants that might have been around for the last 200 years, or are they red, white, and blue, or red, <laughs> white? Or, you know what I mean? Like, I guess they're well, all different, probably. Eh?
5: Again, we we worked through the process in a kind of an informal committee over. The the first couple of years and we developed some criterion mm. for the Peace Gardens between 2012 and 2014 that are being launched. Um, they do have an 1812 theme or connection mm-hmm. but again we left it up to the communities to decide what they wanted. So at this point we have 22 gardens I that know. we're launching this That's year. Amazing. Because again as you can imagine when you start a project like this you don't really know if you're going to have sufficient volume to call it a trail. Right. And in 2010 we launched four, in 2011 another four because we wanted to tr- practice a little bit mm-hmm. because these are not simple gardens in terms of flowering plants. They also have to have cultural activity space, a minimum of 400 square feet, so that activities can also mm-hmm. take place in the garden to bring community together.
3: So it's a fair-sized space that's exactly. been designated, right?
5: Exactly. So it's been really neat because mm-hmm. every community can do their own thing. And at this point, we have flower gardens, we have vegetable gardens, mm-hmm. there's been sculpture and heritage plantings, memorial Gardens, people are talking about doing labyrinths. So, again, it's authentic to what the community wants. Right. And again, an example was Leamington. I was blown away. Mm-hmm. We were at the Leamington Marina yesterday for their launch. Mm-hmm. It was actually wiped out two years ago in a tornado. Right. And I can't imagine what it looked like, but you should see how beautiful this is, and it's our first peace garden with a pond and water feature in it. Oh, lovely. But it's absolutely gorgeous. And again, our role as the Binational Alliance is to oversee the project. We're lucky because we've got great founding partners with Landscape Ontario and Mm -hmm. the Arts Network for Children and Youth, Mm -hmm. and we got funded by the Ontario Trillium Foundation and private sector sponsors to get everything up and running. And we're also part to Canada's Garden Trail. So over the past four years, it's taken on a life of its own. And I think that's been the most exciting and humbling thing for me mm-hmm. is how this project um, people, and you probably know this mm-hmm. better than anybody, there's something about a garden that uh, brings people together.
3: And there's something about gardeners too. Gardeners yeah. are, they're so friendly. Like they're, I, I mean, I don't say that just about myself. No, I just know that, true. yeah. They, and they t- because they're having fun when they're gardening, and they're, there's a, there is a fun aspect, there's a, a joy, people get attracted to that. And yeah. so that's where more people suddenly start getting sort of sucked into the process. And they like to share things.
5: And yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. And again, I mean, in Leamington, they had at least a dozen community groups that they acknowledged. Wow. So it starts off with your horticultural mm-hmm. folks and your community garden people But, I mean, they've got youth, they've got Mm. seniors' homes, they've got the municipalities involved. So, again, it really has become what the Arts Council started out with their philosophy of, let's bring community together a different way, and the great stories that have come out of it. The other thing is that we've dubbed the Red Geranium our official flower during 1812, Mm -hmm. and that's in recognition of a woman named Ruth Redmond, who lived here in Niagara Falls. She was the person that owned the Battleground Hotel site at the top of Lundy's Lane, for people who may be familiar with that. Mm -hmm. And Ruth actually bequeathed that land to the city of Niagara Falls to make sure that it would be held for historic reasons because that's where the Battle of 1812 took place. Mm-mm. But she and her volunteers used to plant hundreds of red geraniums every year on the property. Oh. So that's become our official flower. Excellent.
3: Yeah, Very so, neat.
5: It's, it's really, there's so many amazing and wonderful and, as I say, humbling and uh, emotional yeah. components to all yeah. of this.
3: Yeah, because it's a real like a real mix of people, and, and it's covered. Now, we're not just talking Niagara and Grimsby oh, no. here. They, these gardens are, are ranging as far as Georgia.
5: Yes, I, I, that was the, the most shocking thing for me, <laughs> because I got an email from a Canadian woman who lives in Brockville, that just said, why haven't you included St. Mary's Georgia in your Peace Garden trail? <laughs> and I emailed back and said, if you can please tell me what St. Mary's Georgia is all about, I'd love to include you. <laughs> and again, huge Acadian population that uh-huh. came there, they didn't all just go to Louisiana, right. and they've got Canadian history, and they celebrate Canadian holidays, and there's Canadians that winter there. So July 4th, we're launching our Peace Garden there, and they've sister cityed with Fort Erie, Ontario as well, which is so cool. Do you
3: know,
2: mm-hmm. Eileen, there are, I know tons of people listening right now and uh, intrigued about the whole thing, but they'd love to have a peek at, at the website oh, where yes. they could get all the information and uh, um, a map and, and uh, the names of the gardens and the places where they are. Can you give us the proper email uh, yes. not email, but I website?
5: Sure, I sure can, Frank. It's binational Heritage Peace Garden Trail.com. That's it. We yeah. spelled it right out for people. Yeah. So
3: binational heritage peace garden trail yes and And there's also a toll-free number one eight seven seven eight eight four two seven three six that's perfect oh Mm. very good
5: you were well prepared
3: oh you (laughs) sent me some great stuff Arlene (laughs)
5: thank you no and again we're just so pleased that people have embraced it this way and it's growing and evolving and again our goal is to link heritage architecture gardens and culture on a binational basis so that we do have a long-lasting legacy. And the best part, it's going to go beyond 2014.
3: Mm-hmm. That's the best that's part. Great. Gardens are forever. That's right. They just do get better. Now, um this kind of, a bit of an aside, but it reminds me a bit of Communities in Bloom, where yeah. it's that idea of bringing communities together and emphasizing what do we have that's special, and then, you know, working on making it better and, and showcasing it, learning about our own personal heritage within our towns and villages and cities.
5: You're right on the mark. Uh,
3: and American Bloom, obviously, it does their own thing across the border with communities in Bloom. So, nice uh, nice connection, I think, and yeah. really good for communities.
5: Yeah, and, and again, having people like yourself that are interested, working with Landscape Ontario, um, starting to work with more of the Ontario and the U.S. Horticultural Societies. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've got people now in Putten Bay, Ohio, and Monroe, Michigan, and parts of Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and we're making those connections because around the Southern Great Lakes especially, we are garden territory. We yeah. always have been. Yeah. You know. So it just makes perfect sense. And again, some of the great stories that have come out are just so emotional about bringing family together and the stories that they've told. So again, hmm. it's really developed a life of its own. And we're so pleased it'll go beyond the bicentennial years and we'll have other memorials for years and years to commemorate through new
3: gardens. That's great. Thank you so much, Arlene. And I guess you're jumping back in your car to rush off to Grimsby, (laughs) where there is another opening. The Grimsby Peace Garden dedication is today from 1 until 3 o'clock.
5: That's correct. And we invite everybody to, to join us. If you're in the Niagara area, please do come up for that dedication. We'd love to see you there.
3: The Grimsby Pump House and Peace Garden site is at 447 Elizabeth Street in Grimsby. Free admission. And as you say, everybody is welcome. That's right. Do get there if you can.
2: So and, and, and folks, if you're planning on going to that, look for Arlene. She's the one with the tiara on her head there. She's the royalty of gardens.
5: <laughs> Frank Frank lent me his tiara for the day. <laughs> That's right.
3: <laughs> well said. Thank you, thank you very much. <laughs>
5: Thanks to both of you. I hope you have a great weekend. And, again, great show. And just thank you so much. I appreciate your interest in helping to
3: share this. Oh, thank you for all your hard work. Have okay. a great day, Arlene. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Great wow, gal.
2: she's a, She is a great gal,
3: too. Well, I'm like, you know her. Yeah. You know everybody. Well,
2: yeah, we have a connection. Uh, her dad used to run a little butcher shop in St. Catharines. Yeah. And uh, we used to go in every uh, couple of weeks to get our, our meat and so forth. And he was, he was just a delightful guy, you mm. know, and everybody loved him. Gibby. Ah, yeah. Anyway, nice. oh, it's a... It's a Frankie, Frankie, come here, have a, have a slice of
3: kielbasa.
2: Kielbasa. <laughs> <laughs> you know, chew, chew on, on you. some kielbasa. Yeah. Oh, he's nice. a great guy. Anyway, that's I, our connection.
3: Uh, okay. okay, so uh, we need to go for another break, but before yeah. we do, I think you're looking like you need oh, to do some stretching. you and I do. You're, you're again in your beautiful tennis attire, well, so you're you. looking good. I think you're probably uh, ready to get out there. I, and I'm
2: doing table push-ups. Get
3: active. Table push-ups. Now you wonder yes. why Frank and I are doing our stretching and, and push-ups, table push-ups.
2: Not as looking at me like I'm nuts. Yeah.
3: You are a bit. Uh, (laughs) Keep in mind that boomers who want freedom to maintain their favorite activities with reduced aches and stiffness may find that Sierra Sill really makes a difference. Frank Mm. and I both take it on a daily basis. Uh, We do avoid all kinds of trouble in our joints and our... For my in my case, all the pruning and stuff I've been doing, my hands have been you know sort of pain free through the whole process. So I think that Sierra Sill has really done wonders for me. It could help you as well. More information, check out Sierrasill.ca or uh, check them out by phoning them one eight seven seven joint fourteen or pick up Sierra Sil at your local health food store. For example, Essence of Life on Kensington Avenue carries Sierra Sil, as does Ambrosia Natural Foods on Young Street in both Newmarket and on Doncaster in Thornhill. Daffodils and daisies,
6: bluebells and begonias, Scythia and foxclubs, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. you
1: picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740.
2: And Frank Proctor welcoming, uh, well, I was going to say a long-time listener, a long-time hanger-on. <laughs> She's been on the phone, bless her heart, for about 15, 16 minutes. Uh, Angela from Brampton, welcome to the show.
7: Oh, hi, Frank. Good morning. Hi, Charlie. Good morning, Angela. Good. I have a problem with my lilac trees. Mm. Last year they bloomed, mm. right, and I cut them back. This year I got the blooms the 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 blooms, the blossoms came out, but no no blooms on it. It's, it's they're not blooming at all. So I don't know what to do now. Should I cut them back now, or just leave them till
3: next year? No. So what happens? You flower buds formed, but they never actually opened. They never even opened. So they're still hanging on there? Are they green still? They're, they're
7: gone now. They've dried
3: out. Oh, they dried up, but they never actually opened.
7: Never opened.
3: Are you sure you didn't just, like, you know, go away for the weekend and they bloomed while you were away or no. anything? No, no, for sure.
7: No, because I was watching them, yeah. you know.
3: That's odd. Yeah, I mean, we did have a funny spring in terms of warm and then cold Cold and and then warm. You know, certainly the apple producers know that because you know ninety percent of the Ontario apple crop has been lost due to no kidding. Yeah, early warmth and then late frost. So your lilac could have been affected by something like that, by just some the temperatures going up and down too much that the 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 flower buds got were lost in the process. Trim them off, just like as if they had opened. Pretend they opened. That they're now finished. Go in there and. We should do this with all of our lilacs at this time. Wherever so how
7: how low should I cut? Just trim the tops of that off.
3: Yeah, just follow the the flower bud right down. You'll see a, a sort of a short little stem, and then sometimes you'll see two little leaves, and then it'll connect down to uh, the main woody branch. Uh-huh. You want to trim actually actually just above those two little leaves because that's where the new growth will come from, and that's where two flowers will form next year.
7: Oh. So I shouldn't just leave them, I should trim them
3: No, you'll have far more flowers if you remove the spent flowers
7: Okay, and if there aren't no spent flowers on there, what do I do? It doesn't look like there's very many.
3: Okay, so with lilacs and with any early blooming shrub, any pruning we're ever going to do, we do early in the season, right after the flowering. Okay. So at this time of your year, you remove what is obviously the, the done flowers, Right. then stand back and say, okay, what else does this shrub need? Yes. Are there is there any dead wood in here I need to remove? Is there okay. any uh, branches or stems that are rubbing against each other, causing damage? Okay. If so, okay. remove one of those. Look at the form of the plant. All is right. it kind of one-sided or is it going across a walkway so trim for shape and proportion now all at the same time make sure you've done at least one good thorough fertilizing or soil amending this spring yeah and then leave it alone no more trimming until next year after the flowers
7: okay thank you so much love your show thanks
3: so much thanks Thanks, for your call okay thanks bye have a great weekend 9.31
2: 9.31 on the nose as we welcome Fran from Oakville. Hi, Fran. Good morning. Hi.
4: Hi. How are you? Good. Morning. Good morning. I really enjoy your show. Thank you. Oh, quick question. Mm. Um, I cut a branch from my hydrangea bush, and I stuck it into a pot with greenery through the winter, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And somehow it, I was going to pull it out and then I saw little leaves and now it's got a little flower head. No. Now, does it catch? Do they normally catch from, from a, a cutting?
3: Well, you live in tropical Oakville, so I guess anything's possible. (laughs) Oh, and because
4: we had a very mild winter, Yeah, that's why.
3: It's because it was so mild. Normally, Mm. we would have had sustained cold during the winter, Mm. so having that cut branch stuck into an urn over the winter, normally that urn would have frozen solid and stayed frozen solid for weeks at a time, but of Mm. course that didn't happen this winter, and what ended up happening was that it was, you know, warm enough and mild enough, and sure enough, as the early spring sprung on us, that your little hydrangea was just still ready and raring to go, and there was enough moisture in the urn that it, uh, you know, roots were able to form, and now you've got a little baby hydrangea. Oh, so uh, should
4: I d- now transplant it, or because I, I don't think I should leave it in the pot, because it'll freeze?
3: That's right. It's unlikely to survive again over winter, above yeah. ground, so yes, I would transplant it. So and should
4: I wait till it, um, the, the bloom is gone, and whatever it is, and then plant it, maybe in the fall, or what?
3: You're always best to transplant things when they're not blooming so either remove the bloom and do your your transplanting or your suggestion is fine, just wait, wait Uh until the bloom is done remove the the flower once it's spent Mm. and then meanwhile you're scoping out a good location in the garden to plant your new shrub before freeze up obviously yeah, yeah,
4: yeah, Yeah. okay Okay. Good for you. Good. Nice story. Yeah, that was a nice surprise. Yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's
3: great.
4: Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for your call. Good, Thank take you, care. Friend. Bye.
2: Okay, bye-bye now. 9.33 here, the garden show from AM 740, Zoomer Radio, Charlie Dobbin, Master With Gardener. Frank Proctor. Yes, the sous chef of the garden, <laughs> <laughs> welcoming Valerie to the line from Brockville. Hey, good morning.
3: Hello. Morning, yep. Valerie. Um,
4: My question is, with your flowers as they are, you just cut the flowers off close to the top and then because it's all coming up in new growth
3: again mm-hmm. Great question, actually. So florist of zaleas are little green plants, usually in six-inch pots, that we see a lot of right around Mother's Day and Valentine's Day and, you know, that spring thing. And they bloom like crazy in the winter. So we have them in our homes, and many of us take them outside once everything is frost-free. If they're inside, have them in a sunny location. If they're outside, part sun, part shade. Lots and lots of water. And, yes, give them a little shearing, whether it... You can just pick off the dead flowers with your your fingers and lots of new growth is going to come anyway. But it tends to be a little unbalanced, you know, send shoots off and it's not really as compact and good looking a plant as it was when you got it. So what I tend to do is once the flowers are done is I just get out my pruners and I just give the whole thing a bit of a haircut, just a little shearing to the whole thing. Do fertilize with an acidic flowering plant fertilizer or acid-loving plant fertilizer, uh, because azaleas are a rhododendron. They're just not a hardy plant. They need to be kept indoors when it's, when it's frosty. But uh, sure, you get lots of new growth, as you, as you said, as long as you stay on the watering, because they do love their water. So what kind of fertilizer? Well, it'll be a, when you go and look at your garden center, you'll see all kinds of different fertilizers, and you can ask for help on this, but the bottom line is it's a fertilizer for acid-loving plants. Okay. Okay? Yep, and thank uh, you. Lots of water, lots of sun when you bring it in in the fall, and you'll have lots of flowers on your windowsill by December. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks for your call.
2: Take care, Valerie, and thanks for calling The Garden Show. And uh, we have, let's see, Margaret online here. Oh, from Cambridge. Good morning.
8: Morning, Margaret. Uh, Good morning. How are you?
3: Great. How are you?
8: Good. Okay, I'm having a problem with um, a large, uh, I believe it might be a plum tree. Mm -hmm. And there's all kinds of growths on the branches.
3: Mm -hmm. Big uh, sort of... Tumor-like ugly. black, knobby things. Yes, it okay. probably is a plum tree. Yes.
8: Yes, and um, I was wondering, should that uh, tree be destroyed?
3: Probably, depending on where all those those growths are. Oh,
8: they're practically they're on every single branch, branch. and okay. some of them have several of them yeah. on the branch.
3: So, what that is, if you wanted to look it up, if you have access to a computer, it's a it's a fungal disease, and it's uh, called. Black knot k n o t knot, knot. Oh, okay black knot is uh, an infection that actually a fungal infection that travels by spores it would have arrived to your plum from another prunus species, so from a cherry tree or another plum tree it 's usually wind uh, sorry water or wind carried the spores. And, of course, wherever there's a crack in the bark or any pruning has taken place, the spore can enter your tree and start traveling inside the tree. And, of course, once you start seeing all those lumpy tumor-like growths, then you know that's a pretty well-established disease in the tree. If you see that it's just kind of everywhere, then, yes, the tree should be destroyed because right now it's just acting as a vector and sending out spores to infest more plum trees and cherry trees all over Cambridge.
8: Oh, Really? Yeah. Okay, the, it's very healthy. Like, the leaves are all green. It's full of mm. leaves. So do I wait until the fall to cut it down or do it now?
3: Well, the thing is, it, it may be salvageable. The, it, what, what I'd be inclined to do in your case would be to go to my local Yellow Pages, go to arborists, mm-hmm. uh, and call a certified arborist to come onto your property. Usually, I find the arborist will come and quote you what they will charge you to do what they recommend needs to be done. It okay. could be that this tree can be salvaged, but that it's, it's a question of removing the stems where the fungus is so apparent. Mm-hmm. Uh, the okay. main plant may still survive, and that's, that's what, where an arborist can really help you decide okay. what's your next best step. But oh, ultimately, okay. that's what it sounds like you have, and ultimately it will kill the tree. Oh, okay. All right, that's uh, fine find it. Thanks so much for your call. Thank you. Sorry bye for bye. the bad news.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. by, by the way, yes. as a quick aside, yes. after how, how long have we been doing the show now? What? A hundred six, years. years? <laughs> three, yeah. I think yeah. we're three,
3: three years. Three years. Three years yeah.
2: You finally turned me into the gardener. I admit it now. I've got this wonderful gardenia uh, tree.
3: Which and has the, a name, I might yes, point
2: out. prom queen. The prom Di, queen. Di, Di gave it the yes. name, prom queen, or mm-hmm. her, the mm-hmm. name. And I go, and I'm checking this thing, and oh, the buds, the big fat buds on it. it I'm, I'm, you're taking pictures. I'm taking pictures. You're measuring. I'm, 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 it's 53 inches tall, and I mark down the date. And, oh, God, I just love it. It's great. It's, I'm, you sucked me into the... It's like that Robert De Niro, you know, every time I get out, they suck me back in. So here I am, back in... it. Yeah, well, it's times. good. It's good. I, I'm, I glad. It. I'm glad I'm glad you're
3: turning into a gardener. And it's interesting that it was a gardenia that sucked you in. Yeah. You know, I tried to suck you in with a tomato plant one time, but you left it on the streetcar. <laughs> street <laughs> there you go. I'm never going to let... But you know what? Speaking of the gardenia, yeah. I mean, I, I did mention this to you beforehand. I know my mom is listening, and she'll you know, yell at me if I don't tell you this. Um, my mom has the same gardenia, which uh-huh. is what started this whole th- trend of you picking up one as well, and she loves it, and she hovers over it and She called me all in a panic the other day two days ago, and said she can see webbing on the plant because she mists with right. water okay. pretty consistently, and so she doesn't she wasn 't seeing the webbing, but of course, when she missed it all of a sudden she saw the water droplets sticking to the webbing. Uh-huh. She was panicked because webbing on a plant is never good and so I am making a house call after I finish the show today and if she has spider mites on that plant which is a possibility yeah. you won't see the spider mites you'll only see the webbing they're too small um, with you know you can't see them without a magnifying glass uh, I will be spraying her plant with a product called Bug Be Gone which is a Scott's right. EcoSense Bug Be Gone uh, it's a canola oil pyrethrin mixture mm-hmm. uh, which will smother and annihilate uh, spider mites, if indeed that's what she's got. So something to keep in mind, to keep an eye, uh, keep an eye look out for. You don't want to have lose your gardenia to those no. horrible spider mites. Not
2: at all. Yeah. I, I'm wondering whether uh, it's 9:40 mm-hmm. and uh, whether I should be doing some more exercises. Should I? I huh? guess so. Okay. You might as well. More
3: table push-ups. There we go. <laughs> all right, here
2: we go. Not as she's anything. Like, she's, no, she, she's
3: nuts. Well, yeah, it's that pink shirt that's throwing her <laughs> off. But you do look nice and pink. Well, thanks. Very sporting, whoa, whoa, whoa. which is so so nice because, of course, that's what we we like being active, right? Yeah. Whether we're golfing or kickboxing or gardening or you know sailing, all those important activities that we enjoy so much. In order to continue to do these activities and be pain free, both of us take Sierra Sil. Very, it's completely natural mineral supplement which helps keep the joints oiled. I don't know how it works. It's you know, yeah, really, it works. It's like yeah, it works. <laughs> and uh, so, if you would like to try something like this, the Sierra Sil people are convinced that everybody, almost everybody, will feel better within fourteen days. If not, your money is fully refunded. So, give them a call for more information. That's one eight seven seven. Joint 14 or check their website sierrasill.ca or pick up some Sierra Sill at Foods for Life on Bloor Street in the Bloor West Village or even at the Big Carrot on Danforth Avenue.
1: Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740.
2: And this is the exclusive sous chef of the garden. <laughs> I don't know of another sous chef of the garden. I don't, I
3: don't think so either. You're a one a of a kind.
2: I am indeed, and I <clears> welcome <throat> to the line now, Rita, calling in from Branson. Hey, Rita, good morning.
6: Oh, good morning. 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 I really need your help. What's going I on? have been invaded by raccoons. Um, my lawn is a huge mess. I have three neighbors. I'm bordered by three neighbors. They don't have this problem, mm. and um, there are also holes. Looks like somebody's been at it with a pneumatic drill. Right, um, but
3: that's all in the in the lawn mostly. Oh
6: gosh, it, it's just awful.
3: Okay, so the good news is two things actually two pieces of good news one is the raccoons are digging up insects in your lawn typically it's grubs that they're after and so the, that's a good thing they're eating all those grubs now they're making a mess of the lawn in the meantime but they are doing a good job eliminating some of those grubs that are just going are eating your lawn anyway so either way, you were, your lawn was going to be in poor shape because the roots were missing from the grubs taking the, eating those away or because of the raccoons digging up. So the other good part of the news is that the grubs move on to the next uh, part of their life cycle. So they pupate, they become like a little cocoon, and once that happens, the raccoons will no longer be digging them up. So you're almost at the point. Have you, like, for example, was there damage done to your lawn last night? Was there anything sort of? Did you see any new damage? Or at I, some, it,
6: it's been going on for a, two or three weeks now.
3: Two or three weeks, and like including right up, including last night, for example. Yes. Yes. So what you're going to need to do because you're in Brampton is, it, like, it, I would say it's but maybe a week, maybe ten days more, and at, then at that point, those grubs are no longer grubs. They are little pupa, and the raccoons don't can't smell them, can't get them anymore, and will go move on for you know knocking over garbage cans. So they'll have other things to do besides dig up your lawn because they won't be able to identify the grubs anymore. And it's at that point you fix your lawn. Oh.
6: There will be lawn left, will
3: there? Well, the soil will be there, so it'll be a question of raking and levelling, you know, where all the holes were. Mm-hmm. Whether you're going to re it or you're going to reseed, you're definitely going to want to, like I say, get the, the level back, get more grass in there. If it's a sunny lawn, you can re it. If you've got a fair amount of shade, I would stick with a shade-tolerant grass seed. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, Frank will be able to fill in nematodes. the...
2: Nematodes. <laughs> my one chance to... <laughs> yeah.
3: Frank can tell you the my next only, part. <laughs> yeah, You've
2: got to go to the uh, garden center pick and
3: up the nematodes. At the end of July. Mm-hmm. Are you talking about nematodes? Yeah. Yes.
6: We did that about uh, two summers ago.
3: You're right, but you have to do it every summer. Every summer. Yeah, then nematodes often do not survive the winter.
6: Because my neighbor, because he's not having the problem, he said... Because we put down the (laughs) nematodes, that's the problem.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Do you have quite a big garden? Otherwise, do you have like a lot of roses and ornamental Uh, plants?
6: uh, Not so much roses, but I have lots of uh, day lilies, lots of iris, um, Mm. snowball trees. Mm. Um, magnolia trees.
3: Okay. Now yeah. right. I was just thinking because none of those are particularly attractive. Some, sometimes we we attract the beetles into our gardens. Like you know, Japanese beetles do love to chew on certain plants, and sometimes we end up attracting them because of our gardens. And oh,
6: I have those red lily beetles.
3: Yes, don't we all? Uh, but that's different. No, those. And I wish the raccoons would eat those. Um, <laughs> they're so, hard. Yeah. So the thing is, fix your lawn. Like I said, wait another week or ten days. You'll be able to fix your lawn. You'll have a great lawn for the rest. of June, July, end of July, get those nematodes, uh, follow the instructions on the nematode package, apply as per instructions, and that should lower your grub population dramatically for next year. And you should.
6: At the end of July. That's right. And you should
3: not see raccoon problems, have any raccoon problems next spring. All right. Thank you very okay. much. <laughs> Good luck You're with very that,
2: welcome Bye bye. They can be maddening raccoons. Really can. Don't Nine, I know it. Nine forty eight. Uh, let's uh, go to another call here, shall we? Ah, another Frampton caller. All How right. about that, Mary? Hello. Good morning.
8: Good morning. Morning. Bye. Okay. Question. I have a fern peony. Mm-hmm. I have it three years. Bloomed every year. This year, nada. Not, mm-hmm. not, not a bud. Not a bloom. What can I do?
3: Did you move it, or did anything change? No,
8: no, it's been in the same spot for three years. And like I said, every year I had had nice big fat reds.
3: Yeah, And did you top dress at all this year?
8: No, I've never done that. I mean, I fertilized during the season.
3: Mm, yeah, which is fine. You know what? I'm going to put it down to weather. Uh, that that with that we had that real warm rush of serious warm weather way back when I was at Canada Bloom. So that was at the end of March, third week of March, when it was you know 25 degrees. Peonies are early blooming plants, obviously. So I probably what happened is. The ground wasn't even frozen, so early... it on the weather. Or, yeah, well, early blooming plants started to push through up into the above the ground, and then we had some super cold, and that super cold might have just frosted off the buds. Yeah. But you've got lots of good leaves. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, don't worry. You know what? Every year is a little different, and I think that there's quite a number of cases of early blooming plants that didn't bloom as yeah. a result of being frosted after they got they pushed too early.
8: Yeah, even my columbine flowered, but much later than normal. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah, it's been an interesting year. There's been quite a lot of death. People were surprised at such a mild winter, the number of plants that died during that mild winter. But of course, with no snow, it doesn't matter no how pro- mild it is, no it's still, yeah. yeah, there's no protection. And plants, yeah. Yeah. the crown of the plant desiccates and it dies with huh. no snow protecting.
8: All right, like the, like the baseball, wait until next year.
3: Exactly. <laughs> or exactly. the
2: leaves. <laughs> uh, wait till okay. next Thanks century.
3: Thank <laughs> right. you so much.
2: I love that. Nada. <laughs> Zilch, <Bunchous. laughs>
3: didn't get anything.
2: Okay, nine, uh, coming up to nine fifty here. Okay. so
3: can I? I just want to. Y- um, yes, I remember you my do homework. Your yeah, is it all right if I you report didn't. back? The it's do- your show. The dog didn't sure. eat my homework. I brought it with me. <laughs> We had a call last week from Elaine in Toronto, and she was talking about onions being tunneled into by what we assume are onion maggots. Mm. Okay. Onion maggots are a huge problem in the commercial onion growing uh, industry. Um and there are the the onion maggot the insect has a very fast life cycle and it is virtually completely resistant to every insecticide out there because of the number of years that they have been uh, using insecticides to try and control them so but for a home gardener it's a very different situation so the information i found said the best control method for the home gardener who wants to grow onions lies in the manner of planting Home gardens are usually arranged in rows, but this plan only serves to help the maggot travel from root to root, Mm. which is what happens, right? The maggot gets in, eats the little tiny onion, and then runs out of food, moves over two inches, finds another onion, and eats that one. So the trick is, um, do not do that. Growers can thwart the pest by scattering their onion plants throughout the garden. So Mm -hmm. don't have them close to each other. And then the onion maggots don't find them. Since each maggot needs several young seedlings for nourishment, it will likely starve to death when it, after its initial meal, is gone. Right? Mm-hmm. Other plants will also benefit from the scattered onions, since the strong onion smell is res- repulsive to many garden pests. So, two good things happening there. Um, another frequently used method is to add sand or wood ashes to the top layer of, pl- of your onion planting rows because, again, the maggots don't, will not crawl mm-hmm. through the sand or the wood ashes. So there you go, Elaine. That's, that's the suggestions. for. There's no insecticide to control. Scatter your onions throughout your garden. Uh, use sand and wood ashes to top dress.
2: The latest word from the goddess of the garden. There she Charlie Dobbin. All right. And, hey, we've got to take a little bit of a break here. Okay, uh, let's do and that. We'll and do then that.
3: remember, I have one more piece of homework uh, for Clifford.
2: Absolutely. Okay, back in just a moment here on The Garden Show from AM740, Zoomer Radio.
1: Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740.
2: Gee, I hope Clifford's listening in this morning. You've done a whole bunch of homework
1: for him.
3: I have. I'm just looking because somewhere I actually... Anyway. Okay, Clifford called us from Welland last week. Remember, he has a bay window. He wants to put in stained glass. Right. He wants to grow plants on the inside of that bay window, and he wondered, is there any particular coloured glass that he should or shouldn't use in order to maintain good plant growth on the inside? Great question, uh, but big answer. (laughs) (laughs) So, I don't, you know what? What's interesting is you've got to realize that you know, sunlight is made up of all the colors of the spectrum, plants need all the different wavelengths, and blues and violets are on one end of the spectrum, and the reds and oranges are on the other end of the spectrum, and there's everything in between now. It, it's a really big physiological, and I don't know how, how much of a lecture I want to give everybody on how photosynthesis works. But from what I can figure and what I would suggest Clifford does is I would concentrate, making the stained glass... On both both ends of the spectrum, I would like to see some red and I would like to see some blue. I would try and avoid green in any of the stained glass. Yellow is virtually the same as green. So yellows and greens, if you can avoid those, do. Stay with your reds and blues. Perhaps some clear glass could be incorporated mm-hmm. into the stained glass. Bottom line, inside your house, I would very much uh, recommend using some supplemental LED grow lights inside so that you can ensure that the indoor plants you are growing are still getting the full spectrum and the full wavelength of uh, of light but um, bottom line is yeah there's no point in having a lot of green light coming through because Plants, though they use the green, they need it's the red and blue on either that end they really that need. they really need. Particularly, it also depends to some extent what you're growing mm-hmm. and the age or maturity of the plant. Seedlings versus flowering plants versus fruiting plants and stage of maturity use different light levels, light wavelengths. Oh, that, so you know, that- it's a really big question and it's a pretty big answer. But Clifford, if you are listening, go to www. U N I L, which is the University of Lausanne in uh, Switzerland. Uh, dot C H, so C H for Switzerland, and then just backslash C H for, for S- Switzerland. Yeah, yeah, um, okay, okay, yeah. Um, anyway, because for whatever reason, somebody can tell us that triple W U <laughs> N I L dot C H slash slash C I G C I G like Sig uh-huh. slash page six four seven five seven page six four seven five seven underscore English
2: okay now if you didn't get all that down you can listen to the uh, the iPod uh, the of, podcast uh, the podcast rather of of the show yep it takes about five
3: days to be up, and then, yeah, come to am740.ca, re-listen to the show, and you can get that website.
2: On the podcast, I'm throwing iPods in there.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Most people yeah. do, and you don't need an iPod to listen no, to a podcast, no. just a computer.
2: Right, you are. Okay. Okay, hey, we've got time. If for we can a, go fast. Okay, we'll go fast, we'll go fast. With Carol. Carol Scarborough, uh, yak on, my Hi, <laughs>
4: I love your show. I've got a big problem. I was given an orchid plant for Mother's Day mm-hmm. and the blooms are falling off. I was told to give them one ice cube a week mm-hmm. and now
3: the flowers are coming off. Is mm-hmm. the plant dying on me well um when you feel the weight of the like is it in a plastic pot this orchid yes, it's in a it's not a plastic pot, it's ceramic. Oh, it is in ceramic. Okay, but is there like a plastic insert inside yes, the ceramic? There is. Because what I'd like you to do is be able to feel the weight of the plant, uh, meaning, see, one ice cube doesn't sound like enough moisture to me. Uh, well, I've even
4: gone to two,
3: Okay. and the store says three ice
4: cubes. Uh-huh. My daughter-in-law insists. The instructions said one ice cube, but I don't know what to do. They're going to be over in another month or so. Mm. And I'd like it to have at least the flowers. So, do you think I should give it more than?
3: Well, it's hard to say because it depends on the size of the plant. You know, the size of that little root ball and the pot it's in. Also, it depends how much light you have it in and the temperature. Okay. So, number one, having in
4: my kitchen in mm. undirected light. Okay,
3: good. Bright, and but bright, but not direct, is perfect. Right. Right. Yep. And uh, and then it, it, it's hard to feel, you know, you can't really stick your finger into the soil because there usually isn't any soil to feel. Yeah. But it'd be nice to just get a sense of the weight of the pot. I um, do realize, though, no plant flowers forever and ever. Uh, right. Even though orchids, la- their flowers last sometimes for many months. Eventually, the flower petals will drop.
6: Right.
3: I would look at the leaves. Make sure that they're they're shining. Th- the f- leaves are beautiful. Oh, there you go. If the leaves are beautiful, don't worry, because the leaves are a better indication on the the actual health of the plant. They should be firm. They should be bright. Uh, no wrinkling. No. You should see a little new growth starting in the center. A little yes. new leaf coming up don't worry about that don't worry just let those flowers do their thing they're just doing their they'll just petals will fall and that happens but more flowers will come you'll see oh wonderful and the other problem is we put in a new garden last you know year. what Carol we'll have to let you go Ooh. it's uh, end of the show oh, and no. one question but call early next week and we'll get you on again I've Gamm. been on the line I just oh. want to know what do you do for the red bugs oh the red lily leaf beetles yes okay um, say bye bye and we'll that'll be first thing that'll be first thing next show we'll have to get because we've only got mere seconds yeah. left okay, okay Thanks for your call. thank
4: you so very much all right okay. The,
3: the yeah. red lily leaf beetle.
2: That will be under the microscope next week on the I'll show. I'll bring
3: you one. Oh,
2: oh, goody. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. You
3: won't need a microscope. They're oh, really
2: bright. Oh, okay. All and they're right. big. Oh. Well,
3: they're not that big. Yeah, I can they're...
2: see her walking with a leash on exactly,
3: mixed. on a harness. <laughs> Good. Uh,
2: <laughs> thank see you, Alan, Frank. Thank you very much, <laughs> thank Charlie. Thank you, Nada.
3: Happy Father's Day to all oh, the fathers yeah. and grandfathers. Hey, I'm surrounded Alan by a Gelman bunch of there. them. Yeah, yeah, so have a great day, all you fathers, tomorrow, and we'll see you all next week.
0: This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM 740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM 740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads.